Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Discovering Infinite Grace with Meg Anato on the Star Nations Radio Network. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining me here on Discovering Infinite Grace. Um, tonight's topic is about the growing pains of the collective consciousness, um, which I'm sure a lot of people are experiencing um, the growing pains. My guest uh, tonight is Bonnie Sachs. Um, we were supposed to be live and having a live conversation this evening, um, but due to scheduling error, um, Bonnie has a class she's teaching tonight, and she thought it was the show was on Monday night. Um, and so we did. I did have an opportunity to tape uh, our our discussion. Um, so we will be playing that in just a few minutes. Um, and I just wanted to just talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the world um, and how people are feeling about um, the collective consciousness. And, you know, it's okay to be outraged and angry and perhaps disgusted and maybe overwhelmed or worried or hopeless. You know, some people even may feel defeated. And it's really okay to have these feelings, Um and it's just to bring it, it's bringing everything to the surface and to our awareness, and looking at the things that we no longer want to see in the future of Mother Earth and the future of humanity for the generations to come. Um, so we're kind of here paving the way. Um, we may never see the full change or the full fruits of our labor, but I do believe that pretty much everybody that is here now at this time is here to make a change and make a difference and came here during this most um, auspicious time uh, to be part of that labor, to be part of that collective whole and transmuting the uh, general consciousness of the whole through healing, through um, saying enough is enough, right? Um, No more. And, um, you know, when... America started, and the forefathers, you know, um, they didn't feel, you know, at first that we needed laws because man was supposed to go uh, on basically virtues, right, the virtues of things. Um, but they recognized, you know, not every um, human here had those strong set of virtues. Um, so then laws came into um, practice. And now we're coming to a turning point in our history and in our evolution and our soul's growth, that it's time to take a look at where we want to be and the return of some of the virtues that we've always uh, fought for as um, in our soul's journey to find, um, to live, to uh, heal um, the shadow pieces of us so that we could really embrace some of those virtues And some of the virtues that I am talking about, um, there are 12 of the soul. Um, You can read different articles uh, in different um, teachings and different books. Um, This one um, came from um, a particular uh, book that I had been reading, and um, it's uh, a man named Sardello, uh, Robert uh, Sardello, The Power of um, the Soul and Living the 12 Virtues, and Some of those virtues are devotion and compassion, truth, balance, courtesy, courage, 
faithfulness, equanimity, discernment, selflessness, patience, and love. Those are some of the things that I feel that as we move in the holographic hologram of the fifth dimension and what our thought forms are going to be creating through that collective consciousness will be these virtues and what the the new world or the the, the fifth dimensional um, qualities or archetypes that people uh, will hold and it'll be you know mostly you know coming from that the heart um, so it's okay that we're mad and we're outraged and we're fearful because that's what creates change um, you know when we're uncomfortable it seems to be we move uh, towards finding that balance and being comfortable and, and having that peace in our heart um, and so, so when things are uncomfortable, we tend to be less complacent and begin to get courage, maybe make a stand, um, or perhaps change our own life, um, and look deep into our own uh, belief systems and the way we're dealing with our own life to make changes. Um, but to know, like, the shadow side is, you know, really here to show us those things, um, to move us. Um, back into more light choices because you know the shadow side of us it, it, it takes just one dark choice and but an equal uh, making one light choice can actually transmute and create a transition where we say no more no more and so just to remember that our thoughts matter and during this time right now you know the souls our souls have a lot of toxicity you know, it's very toxic for our souls to be here at this point in time because there is just so much happening. But that also to look at it in as a way of look at how far we've come um, and now we're going to find a new way of evolution and our soul's understanding of how we uh, interact with the Godhead as a, a spiritual being here in the human form. Um, and that the lessons that we've had since being here on earth and in physical form are changing for us now. And that's a good thing. Um, we no longer have to be the victim in order to stand what a vic to understand what it is to be a victor and to overcome things. Um, it'll be a whole new way of thought. And of course it's going to take quite a long time. Um, and sometimes right now we're in a crisis of faith where we actually put in more faith and more trust of what's not our truth and not what our true potential is and who we are truly as a spiritual being here in the human form. And we put more trust and faith in darkness and as our reality than we do in the faith of the light. Um, and we need to just kind of shift that. And, and it's very difficult now because everything we see in the news, everything we see in the media – you know, obviously puts out a pretty good argument for us to believe otherwise. But tonight's discussion is um, about trying to go to that higher perspective, that altitude of grace, that we align our eyes with the bigger picture of things, um, the bigger, higher consciousness. Um, as we tap into that, then we get, then we are able to shift our own beliefs, our own thoughts, our own shadow pieces healing our own shadow uh, pieces that reside in with us um, that are part of the collective whole because we are the micro, we are the part of the collective whole, of the macro, the whole piece of the consciousness. So the things that we see within the um, 
conscious whole are and that like maybe annoy us or bring fear exist in us and are coming up for us to look at that a little closer to question and ask why am i feeling this way or why am i so angry about this or fearful of this or disgusted by this and there's something doesn't mean that that's the trait you hold it's something within you something within lifetimes something within this lifetime that is reacting you're having a reaction to for you to dig deeper and when you open and uncover what that is and allow that grace to come in to heal it or maybe perhaps to understand it be less resistant to it judgmental of it um and ultimately finding the light uh within that shadow um and healing whatever that is then you take your part your micro part and now you have created a, a sacred space of an energetic force that now starts to set a ripple within the collective whole and little by little we begin to change all of that so the people that have this higher consciousness are able to do a lot you know it's it's the age now where actually you know um a miracle can you know occur and um and it's a miracle uh through through thought um and so to look at this what's going on today um as reference points is of to where we want to be from here and the part you know that we want to take in the micro um and um that we do you know like i said affect the whole and we can expect a miracle now and that's i believe what we're here through prayer and through transformation and still being kind no matter how we might feel the world is being uh to still trust um and i'm not saying accept you know the horrible pieces or somebody treating you poorly or those kinds of things i'm not talking about that i'm talking about uh a, something a little higher than that you know of course we have to have boundaries and be smart about those things um so it's a little bit more than that um and to also just to remember that um this when we do discuss uh Donald Trump and we do discuss Hillary Clinton that we're not talking politically or party wise republican democrat the politic issues and things like that we're not talking about any of those types of things it's more about the archetype of um what is happening and how the uh energy has come um into play through these specific people that happen to be playing that part of what is is our our leaders you know or in our political races and uh things like that so please take that into consideration um and so that you can hear with a new pair of ears and a new pair of eyes um and i guess that's basically all that i wanted to say and um i will have neshi start to to play this and um I will be monitoring if there's any questions in the uh Facebook chat room. And thank you very much. And go ahead, Lynn. Um go ahead, Nash. Thank you. Tonight, Bonnie Sachs is joining me. She's an Akashic record practitioner and teacher. She is able to crystally clear see people's patterns of behavior, um helping them to a new awareness also introducing the universal laws 
um, to her clients and to her students, helping the new generation, uh, guiding them through the process of dissolving their old paradigms into new ways of viewing the world. She has written the book, The Health and Happiness Guide to the Universal Laws, and it's available at Amazon.com. It's what you want to know most about the universal laws, helping you uh, get through today's practical ways through the understanding of the universal laws that govern the world today. And I want to thank you for joining me tonight um, and talking to me about this topic. Um, I know, Bonnie, that I want to just say hello. How are you doing? Um, and I know you're doing other things besides just writing and teaching. What other things are you up to these days? <laughs> so probably the most interesting piece that I am up to is I'm learning a lot about healing and what is happening in the world and kind of the practical applications. What I've been working on is the start of another book, which is tentatively titled healing in the 21st century, which I say it only because that's probably the best way to explain what I've been up to while I'm learning how we are clearing old patterns, old habits, anger, frustrations, sadness, unworthiness out of our bodies to really help us feel great in the world. Wow, that's a lot of work you're working on, and, and right in the paradigm of what we're all experiencing and how the world is changing and that newer consciousness that's um, setting in. So obviously you're getting lots of great channels and lots of inspiration from Spirit to move on to the next phase in, in your teachings. Yeah, it's been a really interesting process to see what, plan has been unfolding over the last six months or so, I guess, since the last time we talked. And it's, it's a really fun, interesting process to be in, to be able to understand more of why we hurt, why we have pain, why we have issues in our bodies. And how easy it is for us to clear those things out. So it's been a really fun process at the same time of, you know, I've also had my frustrations and angers and irritations and unworthiness stuff as well. So it's always interesting. Yeah, I think it also kind of, you know, um, is what helps us, you know, leads us to that path of healing ourselves, you know, getting into this, other realm of information that's out there and available for us, you know, heal or heal thyself, and then we come upon this great kind of work to to pass along to others and and help others uh, with that. Um, so I did want to talk a little bit about you know what's been going on in the world today and you know how people are dealing with. Um, the current events and, and what they're doing with their fears and their anger and their frustration. Um, and how is it like down where you are and, and you know, what are you um, coming up against or, you know, your clients perhaps maybe um, coming, you know, to you for, for guidance and, and help to release things? What is it like down in your area and your neck of the woods down in Florida? I know it's, uh, well, you know, pretty much... Um, difficult here up in, you know, the eastern side. I'm sure it's all over the United States, but what are you experiencing? 
Yes, yeah, so it's really interesting. You know, I'm originally from the D.C. area where um, it feels like things are pretty heavy. There's obviously a lot of stuff going on uh, in and around the D.C. area. And, you know, we don't have any exclusivity to beauty and, and pain-free lifestyle just because we live so close to the beach. We have our issues and concerns here. But I think... One of the things that makes life a little easier is when you start to access more of your understanding of what is going on, and so you have a little bit different perspective on how things are unfolding. So it's not like there isn't just as much pain in South Florida as in the Northeast, mm -hmm. but that you know many of us are kind of on this journey of understanding and awareness and it's interesting because you know we just on uh, Friday August 25th we just moved out of the into the new phase which is called uh, inspiration and we moved out of the phase called illumination and so this is the time period in inspiration where what we're doing is starting to inspire more people to do uh, work and be willing to be more comfortable with who they are and, and what is happening in the world. And what we came out of was illumination, which is where we were all starting to have more understanding. I kind of like to think of illumination like we were just getting more light and more awareness and more of the, I kind of think of the light bulb, right? The, oh, yeah, I get it now. I understand. Like the little mm -hmm. comic strip light bulb appear, appears above our heads. Mm -hmm. The aha moment, yeah. 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 Um, so there was, you know, I, I, we're, we're Facebook friends, and, um, and we also, you know, studied Akashic Records together. And, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, the it was all, you know, starting to, to come out because I think, you know, that's when the political race was, you know, just beginning. And, and you know, we had talked about that earlier, like I think over breakfast, that there was this wave of something coming. We weren't quite sure what exactly it meant or but we knew we were on the forefront of, you know, feeling that there was, you know, some a wave of change coming or a wave, wave of consciousness coming. And. I think it's very interesting because um, one of the posts that you put, if if you don't mind, I'd like to read it because I think it's a beautiful post of kind of explaining, um, you know, what tonight's topic was kind of about, what we're all feeling, but you put it, you articulated it uh, very uh, concise where I feel that it kind of sums up how all the people are feeling. So I, is it okay if I read that to our listeners? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Please be clear, what is happening on the planet, in our country, is not the fault or work of any one person or group of people. What is happening in our world is divinely timed and happening exactly as it is meant to. It is not because of Donald Trump as president or because we have allowed certain statues to remain standing. It is bigger than that. It is happening because we are making the transition from an unconscious to a conscious. We, humanity, are becoming aware of who we are. Just like adolescents, we have become more aware of ourselves and what we believe in separate from our parents and the rest of the world. As we, as humanity, are going through the growing pains and the questioning of who we are and what we stand for. 
As in adolescence, it is often difficult to navigate our thoughts, emotions, and feelings. New awareness can shock us, throw us into a tantrum, cause us to act out, or break down in tears. We spend time wondering who we are, what we stand for, and who our friends are, and why the heck are we going through this process. The truth is, we are growing, shifting, changing into more aware, conscious persons, people, humanity. It is all good. The world isn't going to end, and we aren't going to hell in the handbasket, as my grandma used to say. As we trust ourselves more, love who we are becoming, believe that we are doing the best we can in every moment, we will come through this challenging time. We got through adolescence, and we will get through this. Trust in the divine, love, love, love. And that pretty much sums it up. I really liked it when I came across that post. And um, did you channel that from the Akashas? I really did. It was, uh, you know, 5 a.m., and I often get really great information at that time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if I'm awake enough, I just, you know, go ahead and record it. And, yeah, it, it is absolutely information that I've gotten from the Akashic realm, and it is precisely what is going on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I would love to take credit for it like I thought of it, but, um, you know, I I can say it's well said because I understand it's not, wasn't actually me saying it. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just hits on a lot of different points of where we are in our spiritual awareness and the unconscious to the conscious and, and almost having to return back Um, having the conscious be a conscience, like, you know, bringing back Mm -hmm. those virtues back into the world um, that we need um, to, you know, bring this miracle of change um, into humanity, to the world, to all the things that are, you know, going on. And I always look at it when, you know, I read that is, you know, the adolescent and all of us did question, um, Authority did question why. Well, why does that have to be that way? And I think it's a perfect phase for us to uh, start looking at these things and evaluating who we are and who we want to become. And we're kind of like softening ourselves into the clay again where we're able to form that, um, you know, I hope we see it in our lifetime. We may not, but I do feel like, you know, we are the pioneers um, in this movement, and I was wondering um, when you mentioned about uh, trust in the divine, and how have you learned um, through this time or building up to um, what is it that you do to navigate through these events at this time and place in full trust and faith? What, what is it? What is your understanding, or what? practice do you have to help keep you balanced? Well, you know, that's one of the most interesting pieces for me is that if you had asked me, you know, two years ago, mm-hmm. you know, what my faith was, my beliefs were, you know, I would have kind of shrugged them off and it, and, you know, I always knew there was a God, but I wasn't sure, you know, what he was doing and what he was up to and what part he played in my life. And it's just been the last you know, year and a half maybe, that I have become a lot more clear mm-hmm. about my relationship with, with God, my relationship 
uh, with the divine. And I really was blessed to be able to write that book on the universal laws and have uh, the law of divine timing really start to play a part in my life and be really clear of how often that shows up. So, you know, if I were to start to say something to you and then kind of backtrack like I didn't mean to say it, I now understand that there would be an exact reason why I was doing that. Whereas before I'd be like, oh, I'm such a screw-up. Why in the world would I, you know, say that? And I'm like, instead what I would say is, well, now why did I say that and what am I supposed to get out of that? And so I understand that even on the smallest of levels that everything happens exactly as it's supposed to, that there is no coincidence in any of the processes that we see or we go through, and that really helps me trust a whole lot more that whatever comes up, you know, if I get up in the morning and I'm really grumpy, okay, there's something for me to see. If I get up in the morning and, you know, I run into people who are really grumpy and miserable, okay, then there's something there to see as well. So I just really, it's a fairly new concept for me, mm-hmm. you know, to really trust and be okay with however things unfold. So you're starting to embrace everything that's coming your way because your faith and your trust is totally knowing that um, God is is sort of in charge of all that and the divine timing that's set in motion long before you wake up in the morning is there to build that relationship and to learn more about your own self and, and how divine timing and, and God works within your life. Is that kind of like... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's completely that way. And I understand it on the really big level, like I was talking about with, you know, what's happening in the United States. And I, I don't remember who it was who mentioned when we were at breakfast in Chicago uh, for that, for the teaching, but someone had said that you know, well, Donald Trump was going to win, and what he was going to do was he was going to be responsible for bringing a lot of things to light Mm -hmm. and to make, you know, bring things up to the surface to be cleared and cleaned away. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how he showed up in the world, in his business and stuff. And I remember that so clearly, having Mm -hmm. that conversation. And then since that point, I've gotten this real clarity about, you know, how important it is for us to clean out our closets. Mm-hmm. And I get it from a national scale to a individual scale, which is, you know, what you were talking about, that we're actually going through and pulling everything out of our closet. And when we turn around and look behind us, it probably looks like a disaster because mm-hmm. we've taken everything out. And then what we're doing is going through each individual thing. And this is going to be thrown away, and this is going to put be you know, putting our Akashic records for us to be able to pull it out later. And this information is going to go back into the closet. And when we reassemble it, it's going to look a whole lot prettier and nicer than when we started. But we have to go through the process of it being really ugly and um, really uncomfortable for a while. Because at some point, you get halfway through cleaning a closet, and everybody must say, what the heck was I thinking doing this now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and also, too, like, you know, the things that make you uncomfortable, like that itchy turtleneck or things like that, you're willing to let go of and bring in some type of something new that's more comfortable or that fits or suits us better. And and actually, um, it, was, it was you and I that were having the conversation about Donald Trump because when I went into the records, it was about why him? You know, that was my thing was like, why him? And it was yeah. basically he had that, um, you know, he's that type that takes buildings and, you know, tears them down and builds things up. And he's big, huge urban renewal and that he was going to come in and, you know, basically stumble. But that um, it was it was for us to be uncomfortable. It was for us to see all the things um that we didn't like about our society um, or wanted to question or things that we did want to bring up and try to balance, you know, everything, put everything back into balance uh, with equality and all those things. So all these kinds of questions keep coming up and it's, you know, a great way for us to, um, and we needed someone with a really big ego that could withstand all of what's, what's coming out, you know, what, you know, so almost, um, serving us in one archetypal way uh, to bring this th- these things to light. And that takes somebody, um, you know, with a very high ego personality to be able to withstand and, and do that as well. Um, so it's I find it very fascinating how it is unfolding. And sometimes I even feel like if Hillary won, it would have been the same old, uh, same old. We, we may have not moved as quickly or it may have not been revealed to us or we may have not gotten rid of the uncomfortable turtleneck because, oh, well, maybe we can wear that on occasion because it's not that itchy for us. But, um, right. you know, putting on the other, it is very itchy and very uncomfortable. And there's since he's been in office, there have been so many policies and things that have come up that we as a, a society and, you know, um, country are talking about these are things we haven't talked about in years and you can see from a spiritual standpoint that there are things that we have to start talking about and sometimes we're so complacent that if we're not uncomfortable we're not we're not going to address them you know we're just going to go on status quo and um not be so awake and but do you also feel like the energy like itself like with the the lion's gate the lunar um eclipse the solar eclipse that the heavens, like you said, that divine timing, it's really supporting us. As, as uncomfortable as we are, as, as some of us scared and, you know, the the affairs of the world today, you know, can look very dismal. I still believe that, you know, the energy that's come in, this Christ consciousness that's come in is really um, holding us up and supporting us as we move forward. How how do you feel about that? Oh, absolutely. I'm 100% certain that everything that has happened uh, astrologically, Mm -hmm. it has happened exactly as it was supposed to. I mean, you know, you can't say there are no coincidences coincidences and then say, well, except for this one case. Mm -hmm. And so the really interesting piece is, you know, on August 7th, there was a lunar eclipse. Mm -hmm. And on August 8th was the first of the Lion's Gates that we actually had this month. And so, you know, the Lion's Gate is when August 8th, it happens every year. Um, It's 8-8. And so 
that's what they call the Lionsgate. But this year it was actually, because we're in 2017, that was actually an eight as well. So we had triple eights. And so for the people who are into energy and into alchemical healing, you know, eights are all about um, becoming more conscious, but they're also about being able to understand your worth, you know, being able to clear um, unworthiness. So having a triple eight day, now it's been long enough probably that a lot of us are like, let's see, what was August 8th like? But for me, I remember it was all about um, unworthiness. I literally woke up in the morning with this really clear sense of why am I doing this? What am I doing? This is absolutely crazy. I don't know what the heck I'm doing until I realized about 45 seconds into it, I was like, oh, unworthiness. Oh, wait, let me go ahead and, you know, heal that and ask for somebody to do some clearing on that to get rid of it. But what's happened uh, this month is that we actually had three lion's gates. So the first one was on the 8th, the second one was on the 17th, and the third one was just this past Saturday, which was the 26th. And mm. so it was an opportunity for us to have a lot of clearing out the feelings of not being enough, not being worthy, not being able to match up to what everybody else is thinking. Wow. And then, of course, we had the solar eclipse, right? The solar eclipse energetically was just mind-blowing from um, for me as a perspective. You know, just being able to feel the the energy that was coming in that was about us being loved and us being uh, okay with making a transformation. And that's often what people will talk about with eclipses is that they're transformational. And so what a coincidence to have two lion's gates, you know, after we had a lunar eclipse and then followed by a solar eclipse that we haven't had the likes of in 100 years, mm-hmm. you know, followed by another lion's gate. It's like no coincidence. Give us a really big boost to move into all these things that we were just talking about, all these shifts, changes, and transformation. So the... The Lion's Gate, so what is your understanding about what that is? So um, astrology completely baffles me, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But from an energy standpoint, I understand that the the number eight is about um, when you, if you were to chant numbers of eights, you know, series of eight, it's about clearing unworthiness. Any place in your body where you have some sort of picture that you're holding that you're not enough. And it could be, you know, from something that you know of in this lifetime, like, you know, my mom always said, you know, I didn't know how to sing. That, that's a picture of, an, of unworthiness. But as you know, you know, doing the Akashic Records, we can actually go back to past lifetimes and mm-hmm. find more unworthiness mm-hmm. in, in various forms, you know, of lives that we've had. So that's how I see the Lion's Gate is an opportunity for us to step through. It's almost it, energetically, it feels almost like we're moving through a doorway. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, as we go through. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the picture that I see is uh, when we go to the airport and we go through the, the x-ray thing, that as we go through it, we're clearing another layer. 
Mm -hmm. of places where we just don't feel like we're enough. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm all about let's get rid of as much of that as possible. Right, because we kind of spent lifetimes um, after lifetime after lifetime coming back and repeating um, lessons and trial and error to feel that we were enough, whatever scenario that we chose in our life path. And I agree. I feel like in this time and this time and this lifetime, you know, we are probably in the history of the world um, at the most, you know, dynamic time to figure this out. Like, the, you know, the biggest thing where I think we're going, humanity is going to make a big jump forward. Like we have this potential and this opportunity. So even though it's, you know, um, a little bit on the ugly side and at a place where, if we were to be looking in the you know window, it'd be like, "Ugh, I'm not going in there." Um, <laughs> but that looking from the rooftop, that that higher perspective, that higher altitude of grace and divinity, that it's just clearing. It, you know that whole yeah. you know to to that we are worthy to be um, a place in humanity. Um, where we don't have to suffer, where we don't have to be the victims, the martyrs, but that we can, come, you know, come from a place of equality and there doesn't need to be the victim in order to be a victor, that we can just be the victor of our own destiny mm-hmm. and our own, in our own, you know, life here on earth. Um, and also, too, you know, that whole Christ consciousness coming in, and I believe the energy is really anchoring what, Jesus, who brought the, you know, and Buddha, who brought the Christ consciousness to this earth, that um, what they anchored, uh, you know, those years and years and years ago in history, um, and that we're able to really access it and really make true sense of it. Um, yeah. And feel it, feel it in our DNA. Like it's almost like, in, you know, the encodings of what's happening planetary wise. Um, and, and like yourself, you know, I'm not an astrologer or astronomer or any of that, but I, I can feel um, the shifts and, you know, uh, access information when I'm in the Akashas or in meditation um, and have it, you know, once you start to go and talk to other people who are teaching this and researching this, you know, and have it be validated. Um, so. I think probably a lot of people are feeling and just not uncertain. Like, I really was happy that you brought up about, you know, what was I doing on the 8th? You know, gosh, I woke up that morning feeling unworthy. And it's funny because if we were able to talk about that, I think a lot of people were relieved because I remember, like, I remember for this whole month, I've been really battling that and thinking that I was disconnected and that's why I was feeling so poorly about myself or what, oh gosh, I mean, maybe I got to meditate more. Maybe I got to, you know, pray more, you know, what is wrong with me? But in all actuality, I was very connected, but I was moving through the old paradigms. And so now it makes perfect sense, you know, just how you expressed it and explained it. So perhaps those that are listening um, will realize, God, you know, it had a really rough, rough day or rough whatever. I would get like text, you know, how's the energy today for you or whatever. And, you know, most of the time, you know, I just had to say, well, it's not very good. I'm not feeling very good about myself today because I didn't want to say, yeah, great, but... um, 
because it wasn't the truth. And I, and the more I spoke it out loud, uh, the more it moved the energy within me. So it's, I guess, really important not to be afraid or ashamed or feel unworthy that you're feeling those things, but to sit with it and, you know, um, accept it in, right? Because that would be the, one of the things, you know, the Akashic Records don't resist it because what we resist continues to persist. But, um, right. yeah. So one other... Yeah, and the, oh. let, me just, let me just add to this piece that you mentioned about grace. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's really interesting that you talk about, about grace, grace frequency mm-hmm. actually uh, gets rid of the unworthiness. And mm-hmm. so the frequency of grace actually is like a um, is like a sunset orange mm-hmm. color. Mm-hmm. And and so if you're if you find yourself being in a place where you're just like, I don't know why I'm doing this, I'm such a you know, a, a, a loser or any kind of thought that that is like that, if you just sit and you close your eyes and you picture a sunset, you can also picture, obviously, a sunrise. But if you picture that, you can actually start to feel the shift happen in your body because what you're doing is bringing in that frequency of grace, which will alchemize those feelings of unworthiness. So I just wanted to add that in there before we missed that. Oh, yeah, I, I love that. That's a beautiful thing, you know, Um and always when I know when I'm struggling personally for my own self, um, I do, you know, humbly um, bring my de- myself down to that space of asking for that grace to come in because um, I, I don't have all the answers and, you know, I don't know why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. And to have that private conversation intention out there to ask for the grace to come in. And I think that's a beautiful visual uh, to have during prayer or contemplation is that sunrise or sunset because just as you're speaking about that and me visualizing that, I can feel the energy of bringing the grace in uh, through that frequency as well as through my intention, free, you know, the, the my intentions and thoughts frequency as well. So it's a very that's a very powerful um, and very simple and easy you know, mm-hmm. thing to do to bring the grace in. Um, besides that, what are some of the things that you might say um, that don't hold at this time, at this time, don't hold the same spiritual insights that maybe you or I have at this time? Um, what do, what would you, how what would you recommend for them or what would you um, coach them or guide them to do if they were coming from a place of fear or outrage or anger or a feeling of hopelessness. Um, I, I know for my own thing is that I, I do limit television uh, when I start to feel that, I mean, you have to be informed. We all have to be informed. Um, you know, in the beginning, I started to not watch any television whatsoever, um, but now I shift to a little bit of television, but I also read the paper instead because it's not as um, a Effective, you know, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't absorb it in the same manner as I do as if I'm watching it all the time, or you know, listening to it on the news. Or um, so sometimes I will pick up a newspaper, or sometimes I even have my husband just tell me what's going on. Um, <laughs> what What are some of the things that you know you might suggest for people that you found has helped you or helped your clients? 
So one of the things I think is, is probably most important is to remember the piece that we already talked about, mm-hmm. to go to the divine timing, that it is happening exactly as it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. So one of the examples I often give is people will talk about what is happening to the earth. Oh, the earth, the animals, it's so scary and dangerous, and someday we're not going to have a planet to live on or things like that. And, you know, I, I am always coaching people about that it's happening exactly as it's supposed to, and the earth is going to remain here, that the earth, um, Gaia is actually a sentient being and is going through the same process that we are going through as well. And so it's, you know, going to a place where you can, you can trust in the divine timing and trust what's happening. Now, the other piece is that to know that everything can always be resolved with love. Mm-hmm. And this is a really, really tough one. Like, I love all those references to love, like love, you know, solves everything, and, you know, and I'm always like, yeah, but sometimes it's just really tough to go to that, but if you can, if you can sit and meditate, now, love is actually, for me, it is the numeric five, so five, 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 when you see that on a clock, know that the universe is sending you the message of love, and love is the frequency, the color of like rose quartz. Mm. It's a really pretty pink. And so, you know, you can you can bring that in. And the other great idea, I think, is one that somebody actually gave me from the Akashic Records was to remember to ask, mm. to always remember to ask. Mm-hmm. And, and that applies to a lot of things. Like when you sit down and you're feeling anxious, ask. Why am I feeling anxious? And then be willing to sit long enough to hear the answer because you will get the answer. And then you can go, okay, so I'm getting anxious because I'm worried about the animals on the planet. Ask another question. Are the animals on the planet going to be okay? You know, whatever it is that you're going through, be willing to ask a question and listen for the answer because we are always being given the answers, but we don't always trust that the answers are being given to us. So, you know, we forget to sit and listen. Or that first picture that pops in, into our heads, we're like, ah, that couldn't possibly be it. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly reminding my clients to, to, um, to trust, to love, and to ask. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's great, and I think you're right about the ask. You know, a lot of times we just get busy, and then we get on that um, the train of the the fear train, the worry train. Mm-hmm. And lots of times, if we ask, you know, ask what that is, take that time, like you said, to sit with it. Part of it may not even be ours; it might be the collective whole, mm-hmm. um, and your the part that you're feeling is connecting to the collective whole. So the intensity or the dismalness of it or the hopelessness or depression that comes with that may only be a piece of what you're truly feeling, but that you're experiencing and feeling that of the collective whole. And that when we, as part of the whole, can look at our own 
shadow pieces of us, right? Um, and clear that up, like you're saying, through asking, you know, is is this going to be okay? That we actually enter and shift the consciousness, and that we can clear and transmute by our own thoughts, by by challenging our own thoughts and our own truths, and looking at it through a place of prayer, like you said, to go sit down and ask, bring in those colors, bring into that, and bring in that balance that we are actually transmuting and sending transmutation energy to the whole so that it actually can, you know, have that ripple effect to shift entire consciousnesses about entire things. You know, it's the ultimate miracle of grace is when the whole starts thinking towards that same goal. Um, right. Yeah. So absolutely. That, absolutely. I love that uh, way that you phrase it. It's absolutely true. Yeah. So that it's a very, very, very interesting um, times for us right now. I think that we have um, imperfectly, perfectly uh, um, stumbled upon it. And I think as we, you know, recognize that we are the micro um, of the macro and, you know, um, and to know ourselves, if we know ourselves, that's where the work begins. And I guess like you were saying how if, you know, I get up and I wake up in the world and I, um, you know, bump into somebody crabby or whatever. It's honoring that but not changing our persona or how we feel, um, you know, gauge getting into that energetic um, pattern, but that we stay kind as best we can and to stay loving and to stay right. in that place of honor that we actually... Um, Again, we may not know when that per- once that person passes us, but we've more than likely have transmuted those feelings for them because we didn't act with like, you know, the same kind of uh, personality, but we've actually came from the divine love um, mm-hmm. concept and the consciousness. If you were to say of the universal laws, what are the ones that, People, you know, a few of the more important ones right for this time, right now, for us to grasp um, that would help us, you know, uh, you know, studying those couple of laws or, or mastering those couple of laws in our consciousness, working with them. What would be the a couple of them that you think would apply to the current events and the things that are going on today? So the two that pop uh, off the top of my head right away is the law of magnetic affinities, mm-hmm. which says that we designed everything that is happening in our lives, that we actually sat down with our council of souls and said, here's what I want to learn in this lifetime. And it's sometimes hard for us to really grasp because some of us have designed really difficult lives, like, you know, relationship challenges and family issues, and we just can't seem to get ahead, or health issues, and so if we can step into just a tad bit more awareness that we actually could possibly have designed our life exactly as it is appearing for the opportunity to clear or better understand what is happening in our lives. That really goes a long way for 
us feeling a little bit better about what is happening in our lives. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 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 And then the other one for me is tonight is about the law of abundance. Mm-hmm. And the law of abundance is that there really is an unlimited supply of everything in the universe. And we tend to fall into this thought process that, you know, if I have it, you couldn't possibly have it, or if you have it, then there must not be enough for me. And I love the images that I always get around that because that's like, you know, when we were kids and there were only three pieces of candy and there wasn't going to be enough for everybody or something like that. And so you can really see how the pictures get created that say that, there isn't enough in the world. But the truth of the matter is, is that there really is. And I love the example of the sun, you know, that the sun doesn't shine on me and say, sorry, Meg, you don't get any more because <laughs> Bonnie took it all. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like the sun just shines. And if you're standing under a tree, the, the tree is getting it. But if you stand, you know, out from under it, you're getting it. And that is the case with everything. That is the case with money. Mm-hmm. That is the case uh, with you know, jobs and resources. We just ha- keep running into this mentality that there's not enough. If he has it, then I can't have it too. And and so when we go into that mentality, we go into fear, which runs back to what we were talking about earlier, where if you can stay out of fear, if you can be more in love, and and I don't mean like be in love with somebody, but to just be more like, no, no, there's absolutely enough of everything. And just because she has it doesn't mean I can't have it too. Then we get into a better headspace and we can make more room for things to change in our lives. Right, to notice. And it may not be that piece of candy, but it may be um, something equal to or better than if we focus just on the candy than the gifts that were meant for us um, we can't see them because we're focused that it has to, the expectation is I want that exact piece of butterscotch, but yet okay. chocolate or, um, you know, taffy or whatever is, is, is ex- what's given to us and, you know, and we take away the expectation, then we are able to see, you know, our eyes are more aligned with seeing what the divine plan is for us. Right. Is, is what you're kind of, right. is, Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, because I recognize that um, a lot of times, you know, a lot of people will want change in their life or when you explain to them about abundance, it's not about the same, you can't like label it or box it in that same expectation of the, you know, what their neighbor has because Mm -hmm. there are so many ways to deliver and lots of times, you know, when even we, when we get something that's passed up, we'll always say, well, in hindsight, this was really the silver lining because I got something, you know, much more uh, better than I could ever have thought or imagined or this worked out perfect because this job just fell in my lap or whatever. Um, But so being able to let go, and I guess it goes back again to divine trust, that although we can't see it with our eyes now in this moment when we're experiencing it, to know to just kind of lean into it a little bit and have that trust and release our expectations, and it takes care of, you know, we are then um, letting go of our will 
and then coming more into the alignment of God's will. And, um, you know, if we keep our will into that with our expectations, God will wait until, you know, we let that peace go. (laughs) And sometimes we'll be waiting a really long time. Um, And I, I only learned that through like a year, you know, a year of a lot of just constant struggle and it'd be like, well, why am I struggling? And, you know, one of the things that the Akashas, you know, showed me was, well, whose will are you, you know, looking for, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and when are you going to humble and surrender to that and um, have your will be that of God's will? And when I started to really break it down and really understand it, not from like sort of the biblical sense, but in just in practical everyday life and just surrendering, and then opening my awareness, um, you know, because we know the mind, when we have an expectation, then, like, if we, like, when you, um, before, when you go shopping, grocery shopping, and you're not, like, say you're not healthy eating, you will find all the junk food, you know, because yeah. your, your brain can only hold so many thoughts. Um, I believe it's seven thoughts, plus or minus two, um, at one time. So if your belief in, in your story is that, you know, I love junk food and that's what I'm going to eat, that is all you'll find. You'll never see the healthy food. And then when you go on a diet and you start to or change your lifestyle and the way you're eating and you recognize, oh, I, you know, things that are good for me that nourish my body, you know, and then all of a sudden you see these really great products or really great produce or mm-hmm. whatever, and um, you walk in with a different pair of eyes. And I guess that's the, you know, kind of thing with, you know, just looking at the divine timing and the divine trust is that it's not going to be delivered perhaps at the time that I mentally need it, that instant Mm -hmm. gratification, because things take time and things are woven into the perfect time and place perhaps for us to appreciate or for our lives to be aligned to accept that gift um, where we may not appreciate or be able to handle the gift that we get. Um, if we're not fully ready, uh, mind, body, and spirit. Um, so it's about, and that's the, the thing that I really had to learn, that that's what divine trust really is. It's getting out of my head, because if you don't get out of your head, you're dead. And, um, you know, you're dead in the water, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's such a, a such a reasoning, you know, reasoning. So to, to always go with the heart, um, so those are really good uh, universal laws um, to hold on to. I really, I really liked how you explained them and and um, and broke it down to how you use it practically um, in your own life. And I think I'm pretty much down to all the questions. Um, we Yay! Talk, I know. <laughs> we t- I really grilled you tonight. I appreciate you. Um, uh, hanging in there with all the questions with me tonight and it's i know it's the it's going to help um the listeners hopefully uh stay strong during these times and um learn that you know the big the we all feel helpless where you know one person one soul can change the world through their consciousness you know just by making that ripple and we oftentimes don't feel that right because we were never taught that um right and we're the indigo hippie 60s generation uh the biggest baby boomers you know there's plenty of us around and we're all pretty um (laughs) strong-willed so i I think i'm pretty sure humanity like you said 
along with uh, Gaia, we'll, we'll be just fine. It just uh, we just have to hang in there for a little while longer and stay kind and loving. Um, as your as your post said, love, 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 and that's ourselves, our neighbors, um, the world as it is right now, um, and just like we you know love our kids unconditionally, our teens when they're going through things, and um, and I guess that's the best advice we have. Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the little last piece that I, I'm I'm being told just to communicate to everyone is this piece that we are more powerful than we know. We are more loved than we have any idea about. And when we can step into that and really begin to believe that, we'll see dramatic shifts and changes happening in the world so well i think very cool yeah i think like you know two years ago like when we were saying oh you know there's a chill in the air we feel some change upon us i also feel you know just talking with you this evening that what you're saying is truth and that we have the greatest potential to discover uh the greatest of who we can be as a society as humanity moving into that uh christ consciousness um, making that the new order and, and holograms of life into form that we uh, will be seeing for our future, for our kids. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like how you were saying, you know, you are trying to teach the newer generation to get rid of the old paradigms and to get rid of the old um, government systems and uh, religious systems and things that are, are done. You know, it's that experiment's over. Uh, it served us well. We learned mm-hmm. a lot about our soul's evolution, uh, our capacity to, to love, our capacity to endure, and um, many things, um, and still all prevail and um, continue to get to the, where we are right now, right? I mean, so... It's it's a, it's very. I feel hope when I put it in that context. As long as I don't go back and watch the mm-hmm. news, but to know that to catch yourself, you know, just to catch yourself mm-hmm. and go to that place where you ask, ask, ask. I like the sunrise and the sunset and the color orange and the pink um, of love and the rose quartz. Um, all of those things are beautiful. So I really appreciate you coming on tonight and talking with me, and Thanks. I wish you a really nice night and a wonderful week and thank you again thank you thank you thank you yep and thank you everyone for listening tonight and joining bonnie and i i hope you enjoyed the recording and we will see you next month and now on to the girls his spirit of color thank you Nashi, for taking care of me tonight and have a good night everybody thank you We hope you enjoyed Discovering Infinite Grace with Meg Anato on the Star Nations Radio Network. You are listening to Star Nations Radio Network. Communications from home on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Color. Lightworker Ways of Deeper Communication with Minnie Kansman, Neshi Lokat, and Donna Thompson. On the 
Star Nations Radio Network. Hi everyone, welcome to the Spirit of Color show on the Star Nations Radio Network. I'm your host for tonight, Minnie Kansman, and our topic is Fur, Spins, and Feathers, Past and Present. Um, this show has been in the back of my mind for since we started Spirit of Color. When I think about color, I often think about my companion animals or even animals in nature because there's so many um, color variety that's found in nature. And I think about fur and I think about feathers and finding feathers and all the colors they come in. And even the fish, like the beautiful um, rainbow trout or a goldfish that I've had or koi, um, beautiful colors that nature provides not only in, you know, the flowers and the trees, and but with the animals that roam on the earth. So I wanted to talk about that, and including them all with fur, fins, and feathers seemed like a great name. Tonight I have co-host Donna Thompson with me. Are you there, Donna? I'm here. All right, all the way from Nova Scotia. It's good to hear your voice. And producer extraordinaire tonight, Neshi Lokots, are you in the house? I certainly am. I'm trying to get some stuff out to, so people can join us. Ah, I'm here. Well, I'm you're doing a great away. job. Oh, I posted on my Facebook page the link just before we started, too. Oh, good. Thank you. Ah, Thank you. So, Excited for today's topic. Um, we're going to talk about um, animals and why why are you maybe attracted to certain animals um, by their color and memories of our companion animals, past and present, and thinking about the the color of of um, their fur, their bodies, and um, talking also about totem animals and their colors. So. I really am excited to start. Let's begin first, though, with a centering meditation. I thought of a fun one to do with you all tonight. Um, so if you could just find yourself a nice, comfortable seat and perhaps get your feet on the floor and really feel supported by whatever you're sitting on. Let your body just kind of relax into that and breathe, maybe taking the nice, longest, and deepest breath that you've taken all day. I give you permission to take that now. Sometimes that just feels so good to just be here in the present moment in your physical body. And acknowledge that with your breath. And breathing in and out. And each breath taking you deeper into that place of relaxing. I'd like you to see yourself out in your favorite place in nature. 
And just look around. What do you see? Is there color? Mm, and what does it smell like? Take a nice deep breath in and smell the air. What does that smell like for you and your favorite place? And what are you feeling? What are you sensing as you walk on a path or on the beach perhaps? Wherever you are, what does it feel as you walk in this place? What do you hear? What do you see? What do you sense? And keep breathing in and deep. As you take in all of this sensory around you, And you feel sun, the sunshine on your skin. Can you feel a breeze? Do you hear the breeze moving through trees or leaves? Keep breathing in and out. And find yourself in a beautiful clearing. And I'd like you to just set yourself down and be real comfortable. Find your sense of comfort as you sit here. And in your mind's eye, I'd like you to call to you the animal that's most important for you to be with right now at this time, past or present companion animal, totem animal, or other and open your eyes, and in front of you, in your meditation, is this animal. It's come here for you right now, this evening, for this moment. And take that in, and see that animal, and touch it, and pet it if you want. Acknowledge, welcome it. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. And now is there something this animal would like to tell you or something it would like to show you? So it may come in words. It may come in pictures. Take some time to get that message in whatever way it flows to you tonight. Whatever feelings that show up. Whatever symbols. Know this is your gift from this animal tonight. And breathe that in and thank that creature, that beautiful creature, for coming to you. And know that you can be with that animal at any time that you call it. 
But now it's time to come back to the radio show. Come back to your seat that's supporting you. Come back to your feet on the ground. Moving your body and opening your eyes. Back here to the radio show. Fur fins and feathers. So... Oh, wow. How many of you had um, more than one animal show up? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like you let the floodgates open and whoosh, they all come in, huh? Oh, wow. How was that for you, ladies? Nashi? It was very relaxed. Yeah, it was very good. Oh, good. Oh, good. I loved, um, you know, like I said, I love fur, so I love feeling fur, and it's always just, it's so warm and luxurious and comforting for me. Um, I always seem to have to touch animals when I'm with them because of their fur. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, you know, as I was thinking of this topic, I thought, you know, we... We choose our companion animals, right? Or they choose us a lot of times, yeah. too. Um, but does color play a factor in that? And maybe we've never really even thought that it did. Maybe we just thought it was the energy of the animal. But um, for you, Neshi, have you noticed any time when the color um, was was a piece that stood out with that companion animal? that you have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Our last furry girl, um, Ginger, um, we were down in Oklahoma back in, I think it was 99 or early 2000, maybe it was 99. And um, by that time, we had been without a dog in the house for not quite four years. And um, while we were down there, you know, we were just talking about, Paul and I were talking about, and I think we're ready for to get a dog. I think we're ready. When we get back to Wisconsin, we'll, we'll start looking. And um, he really started uh, researching golden retrievers. And um, in that research, you know, of course, we found that there there's color variations. And, I, and without even seeing it, I just said, you know, I like the, probably the darker orange one. Because the 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 golden retriever is a Scottish dog. I oh, from Scotland. Know that. Yeah, wow. and so that little our, our orange lassie. I wanted her to have <clears throat> darker, darker um, that that darker orange, and so uh-huh. um, that was the color. And so when we finally got to um, Ginger being around, that was in January, middle of winter. <laughs> When when we found her, um, and I was telling the breeder, I'd really like to have some, you know, um, a dog that has the darker darker colors rather than the blonde. Wow. And um, and so they were showing us how you can tell um, about that color. And so yeah, so color definitely played. Oh, because when they're puppies, it changes. It, they're they're all yeah. light, and then it changes or something. Yeah. Well, so how can um, you tell? They're, they're, you have to look at their ears. The, the fur on their ears are the closest to the color they'll be when they're an adult. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how we knew that she was going to have that darker orange coat. And, um, yeah. <laughs> so color did play a big difference in, in, in this last furry girl. And then you named her Ginger, too. And Ginger yep. is a color, too. <laughs> yeah. 
exactly. Yeah. And Paul actually picked that that name out. He had a dream, and and in that that was before we even Ginger was way way before she was even born. Um, had had a dream about this this dog that he was calling Ginger, and so he was telling me, I think oh. I think we have the name. I think we have the name. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she kind of came to him in his dreams ahead of time. Yeah. Really. Yep. I would say. Yep. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Ah. Hey, Miss Donna. How about you? Hey there. Well, and your of- animals. Yeah. Yeah, ginger colored animals. I have a, a ginger cat story. Yeah, um, on a ginger theme. On a, we're on a ginger theme here tonight. So I am an orange cat, an orange tiger tabby cat kind of gal. And I have been since my, I was a young child because my very first cat that I was allowed to have um was an orange tiger cat, and his name was Tigger, and I got to pick him out myself um, from a litter of cats, and there were two different Tiggers, and I chose the one that meowed the loudest, and that's the guy who came home with me, and he was a very <laughs> beloved cat, had him for, I don't know how many years, not all that long, he met an untimely death in the road, which was very traumatic oh. for me, oh. I was... Aww. I was in seventh grade. I mean, I wasn't little, little, but I just loved that cat. And I grieved and mourned. And so, but he was my first and I loved him dearly. And then I had another cat later on um, in high school. And she, she lived to be an old girl. She, you know, well, I think she lived to be 18 or 19. Her name is Tabitha. And then while I was in college, I was away in college and um, I had my first apartment on my own. And one winter, I just had this idea kind of come out of nowhere, and I just decided I wanted to have a cat of my own and have it at college with me. Mm-hmm. And I remember you know, telling my parents, and my parents were like, really? Are you sure? You know, Because <laughs> it's a big deal to be, you know, you're in school, and you're not always, you know, home a lot, and, you know, you have to be really responsible, have a cat on your own. And I just said, no, no, I, I, I want a cat. I need a cat. I'm going to get a cat, and I want an orange female cat. I just, it just came to me. I, I, I don't know. I just got it in my head. And so I came home for, for Christmas break, and as soon as I got back, I called the, the two local, there were two local shelters. And I called up, and I said, hi, I'm looking for an orange female cat. And the one shelter said, well, you know, orange female cats are extremely rare, <laughs> which I did not know. And I said, oh, no, I didn't know that, but do you have one? And they said, no, we don't. And so then I called the next um, shelter, and I said, hi, I'm looking for, a, you know, a nice, healthy adult uh, orange female cat. And they said, well, we do. We have one. She she just came in this week. Wow. And I said, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll be down, whatever. You know, I went down as soon as I could. And um, I showed up, and there she was. And that was it, you know, love at first sight. And, um Home she came with me, and I named her Pesha, which means peach cat in French. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I named this orange kitty, you know, based on, based on her, <laughs> her color. color. Yeah. <laughs> and, peaches uh, and ginger, here we go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Peach cat. And she was, I, I, I remember she was so light, peachy. 
she was just the most beautiful cat when you could see her. She yeah. was a real yeah, a neat shade of. I don't know. Did you meet Cash or did you meet Kalia? I think you Kalia. met Kalia. 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 Oh, was it Kalia? Yeah. Oh, okay. You guys met Kalia. Yeah. Kalia. Kalia was my third orange cat. <laughs> <laughs> she was a magical okay. cat, that Kalia. <laughs> She was magical. She, she was she a ghost my cat. Book. She, yeah, she was a very ghosty cat. But so Pesh, Pesh, um, Pesh was with, with me for 17 years, and as soon as Jonathan and I moved in together, she came to live with us, and Jonathan loved her dearly as well. And she was just a sweet cat. She taught me a lot about love. She really healed my heart in a, a very special way. So that's my that's my orange cat thing. And now I'm on to my fourth orange girl. I had yeah. three orange girls in a row. And they've all been a different shade of orange. And now we have with us magical Mira, who we've had for, what, a year now, I guess? Just over a year. And she was bounding around tonight before the show. I mean, she was literally bouncing off the walls. I thought, oh, my goodness. Do you think, is, is there any connection with the orange color and, I don't know, like chakras and creativity or something? I just wondered about that, if you've ever thought about that. Uh-huh. I haven't, no, but, yeah, orange is the... the Second chakra, right? Creativity, mm-hmm. color. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, just, lady, I just wondered. That just kind of popped well, in, like, huh? <laughs> well, thanks. Well, I do well, love that. I, you I know, that color in my house. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was just thinking. You know, how how we humans, how we we, you know, we most of us most of my friends, most of my circle believe that we, we choose the families that we're going to incarnate with. We choose whether we're going to be male, female, or whatever. Um, we choose the country that we're going to be in. We choose the body type and all of that, right? So why wouldn't animals do the same thing, especially domesticated animals, especially those that are meant to be a part of our um, spiritual life? or familial life that way, you know? And so orange, you know, I was just thinking when many, when you mentioned that, I thought, Oh my gosh, I started, I started two feathers in, um, it was right after we'd gotten ginger. I think I, I started that, that business in 2002 or 2001, 2001. And and we got her in 2000, so she was just she was just six months old when I went to California to get certified oh, wow. with feng shui yeah. and space theory. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, huh. Huh. huh? Yeah. Well, I have had a thing with um, my biggest lessons so far have been with white dogs. <laughs> and my first mm-hmm. um, was the Smoyed, and really that was for Rain and I, our first family dog together, um, was Mishka, and and just she's just a great dog for us 
as a and a family. Stefan was small, and then Jessica was born. Um, no, Jess Jess was probably six months old when. Um, um, yeah, we we'd had we'd had Michigan a couple of years at that time, and then Jess Jess was born. Um, so, and the white. Interesting in, in the timing of that, I'm doing a lot of spiritual work at that time as well. So and for me, the white was, um, you know, very much a, a clarity connection to spirit for me, like a spirit dog, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, after Mishka, we had a very challenging, another Samoyed um named Leo, who probably taught me the most of all my companion mm-hmm. animals that have come to me um, and taught me a lot of, of lessons. And um, we had a very, you know, tragic, um, challenging time of, of having to put him down. Um, and I was heartbroken. And I didn't think I could even ever have another dog and couldn't trust another dog, um, didn't know if I could ever feel safe with another dog. And mm-hmm. then this little tiny white Bichon of 15 pounds showed up in my life unexpectedly. Um, a friend who died of cancer needed a home for her, and um, I thought, oh, what the heck, she's she's 13 years old, she's not going to live very long. You know, she was 11. She's 11 years old. She's not going to live very long. I, I'll do it, you know. And it was more of a kind of a, I'll do it for her, for my friend. And then this little white dog taught me about unconditional love. Um, she's the gentlest dog. It, like the universe gave me the most gentlest, quietest, easiest dog I could have. My kids called her the animated stuffed animal because she didn't really act like a dog. She just, like, <laughs> laid in your lap and let you pet her. She always wanted to be right next to me. And there's that white fur, um, and I'm healing the whole time with her. Well, she's healing from the death of her owner with me, so we were doing our dual work together. But... You know, she came right at the right time, and there's that white white fur again. So, um, mm-hmm. for me, that 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 was a big piece of uh, the color, the the connection from the smoid, large, rambunctious, noisy dogs to the tiny little pipsqueak <laughs> of Katie dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, the princess. Yeah, the pillow dog we called her too. She the loved pillow to dog. Be car- I would carry her into the hotels because we just take her to the hotels because it was so easy. And just carry her in on my bed pillow and at the reception at the desk, everyone would just laugh and go, "Oh, the princess is here!" You know? <laughs> and she loved it. Oh, so, so yeah. Um, and then I thought. You know, another question that came to me was, what about our totem animals and the color they are? So, um, so Nashi, what about your totem animals? What color are they, and why do you think they're those colors? Well, you know, and that was a hard one for me to select one. Well, you don't have to. Say we can talk about more. I know, I know, but I know, but we only have an hour show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We can do a whole one on totem animals. 
we could go on and on about this topic. Um, actually, the so the one that that actually um, floated to the surface the fastest was um, I've I've always walked with spirit wolves. Okay, and one of them came with me to GLR in uh, Great Lakes Retreat back in, I think it was 2000, I think it was 2010, I think, because you and I did um, the Hogwarts 101 class that year, whatever year that was. Fun year. That was a good good class. All right. So, um, and people were seeing this, this wolf was, you know, walking around the halls and stuff. And, and the thing is that he'd go out and he'd go wandering around and he'd come back in, you know, and we were teaching and there, and he walked into the classroom and somebody, somebody looked and said, I don't even remember who it was. They said, did you see that? There's the largest wolf I've ever seen. <laughs> and, you know, it was like, um, and so I knew, you know, cause he'd, he'd come back into the classroom and he came over and he sat next to me. All right. So, I love it. You're at a place all these people can see him, you know. Exactly, exactly. So his color was, um, it wasn't black and it wasn't gray. It was kind of that in-between. It was a dark, dark gray. It wasn't quite black, Um, more than a graphite color. And um, he had um, like little white tufts on the inside of his ears. But other than that, he was pretty much that really dark gray. Mm -hmm. And... uh, he was pretty big because when he would stand up, he'd put his um, paws on my my front shoulders, and he was a head taller than I was mm. when he stood up. Wow! So he was he was really large, and um, I had that was the first time I had taken a class with uh, Dana um, at GLR, and we were sitting in her class, and she had us do this meditation, and we were talking. She was talking about totem animals, and and <laughs> and. That was the first time this happened to me. Um, I could see him across the room, sitting over across the room. And as soon as we started the meditation, he came literally charging at me. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and <laughs> I didn't know whether to, because when you stand sideways, you're a smart, smaller target, right? Uh-huh. And I learned that I learned that from Ginger because she, she took me out a couple of times. Standing <laughs> sideways, you're, you're a smaller target. And so I was... Energetically, I was going to turn sideways, but before I could do that, he was actually literally leaping into me. Oh my gosh! Like yeah, absorbed yeah, right in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And talk about feeling um, the energy of that 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 large energy to begin with jumping into you, but l- literally feeling the fur as he was coming in, and his muscles and mm. his scent. You know, and then having him turn around and so I could look through his eyes was, you know, um, yeah, it brings tears to my eyes whenever I think of that because it was such a bonding experience that I've never experienced before with a spirit animal. I've never had any any of them do that before. So, yeah. So color. He was gray. Dark, dark. Yeah. Yeah. What an experience. Wow. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. How about your totem animals, Donna? Or one? <laughs> well, my totem oh, no, is one. I've got four listed here, but. Well, um, go ahead. Go ahead. So my, to- my totem animals. 
rattle them. Um, birds. So I'm a big bird lover, as uh, I've shared before. And um, I have several different bird totems that, I, that are with me that I call on and work with. Um, one was given to me uh, in the last five or six years or so, and that is red-tailed hawk. Um, it was given to me by a teacher of mine, and he gave me the name of Red Hawk Sister. Mm. So that's, that's a beloved one. Um, but, I, you know, I have kind of, it's interesting, I have a different relationship with, with Red-Tailed Hawk, again, because it was um, chosen for me by someone else. And um, then there's Crow. I'm sure I've talked about Crow before on the show. And uh, Crow, I have a special thing going on because Crow really showed up for me um, six years ago when we first uh, came to visit this home that we now own in Nova Scotia. And so I've had a very magical thing going on with crow ever since then, crow feathers, and crow is just sort of showing up at key moments. One, uh, in the last week or so, I was sitting and working and had a, you know, a, a thought pop into my head, and it was completely quiet. I mean, there's lots of crows around here, but it, it was quiet, and there had been no crows around, and all of a sudden, there was a crow right outside the window. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, so, do you see a lot of them up there? Wow. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot, but, you know, uh, this is just such a special little moment because, uh, you know, I was deep in thought and kind of pondering this one thing, and it and that hadn't happened in quite a while. Um, so it's just a little reminder of, like, yeah, we're right around. We know. We know what you're doing. We know what you're thinking, and we know when you need us and you need a nudge. Um, so, so Donna does this one of my color. most beloved does the excuse me? Does the crow's black, um, yeah. crow's black color have meaning for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, black is all about um, the mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, the great the great mystery of uh, creator, and uh, yeah, and it, you know that's been a new thing as well because um, I'm drawn to earth tones and, you know, richer colors, you know, I'm not so much a, a black or white kind of gal, you know, I, I wear color more and um, like colors in my home, but so that's been really a neat journey to um, to tune in and kind of surrender to black and all of all that that encompasses. Um, but I did want to mention, can I mention one more? My sure. my sure. beloved uh, songbird, um, and that's cedar waxwing. Mm. And, you know, the interesting thing about that bird, I've, I've you know, since childhood, we always had uh, cedar waxwings around our home. And I was always aware of them. And it was one of those things, like, little by little, it just kept building. And, and I don't know, not that long ago, I think, really in the last couple of years probably, you know, finally dawned on me that I just love that bird, that it's really my favorite songbird. And uh, so I, you know, stated that to, to, you know, the powers that be and, you know, got very clear about that for myself. And then um, 
I decided to look up in our beloved Ted Andrews book, Animal Speak, about cedar waxwing. And I thought, well, because I wanted to know, like, what is it? What's go? What is it with me? Yeah, why? Because for me, yeah. it was all about the. Yeah. Why? But um, it's very much their colors, and they're a very ethereal bird. Like you don't always get such a good look at them. They tend to fly high up, and they're always in flocks. And and really, mostly I know they're around because I know they're 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 just a very light little whistle. It's hardly even a song. And so I hear them go over, and I look, and I see them. But you, they're high up, so you don't really get to see their colors. And when you do, it's such it's such a treat. And they have this muted palette of like mauves and um, kind of like yeah, mauves and and taupe. And they have a yellow band on their tail and red blood red drips on their tips of their wings. That's why they're called wax wings. Mm. And they have a black mask. Eye. It looks like yeah. they're wearing like a lot of eyeliner and mascara, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. And they have a they have a crest. They're um, part of the cardinal family, so they're they're very much shaped like a cardinal. Uh-huh. And so when I looked up in Ted, um, Ted gives the keynote for wax wings as gentleness and courtesy. And he talks about how um, the mask around their eyes is all about uh, the connection between ritual and ceremony mm. and the ancient art of mask making. And right away, I took that to be my, my connection to, to theater as well as the, yeah. the ceremonial arts. So it was this big light bulb of like, oh, that's why I love that person. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And yeah. Um, he says they know how to use masks for fun and for healing. Aww. So that's that's me in a nutshell. You know, I'm all about the fun, but I'm also about about the deep healing as well. So that's my Beautiful. my beloved songbird. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, for me, yeah, picking one, uh, but probably my most um, well, I'm not going to say my most powerful, but. One that's been shifting in my life, um, in my spiritual journey um, all along, is the jaguar. I I was at art fair with my mother-in-law, and there was a medicine shield made out of jaguar skin um, fur. And I saw it, and I, I just locked my eyes on it, and I could not. Um, forget it. We walked through the whole art fair and I came back and I had to purchase it. And um, so, and I I prayed that it would be, you know, a price I could afford, but I would have paid anything for it. And it it was like unbelievably inexpensive for what it was. So it was to be mine. I carried it in the bag next to my body and my body started vibrating my ovaries started cramping, my uterus, my womb was cramping like I was on menstruation, period. Um, I I rode with it in the car on the way home, and I, I just I couldn't put it on my physical body. And and when we got home, I had to put it in a, another room. Like I had to, <laughs> it, it was, I could feel its power. It was so powerful, and I had a reaction to it. But I knew I was stepping into that power. Um, so 
for a long time, I, I couldn't even hang it up. I just kept it in the bag in the closet because <laughs> it was kind of scary for me, you know. Like, who am I to have Jaguar totem? Woo, you know. I mean, this is like probably 20 years ago. And um, slowly I was able to hang it up and, you know, touch it and pet it and, you know, have it near me. Now it now it hangs behind me in my office, right behind my desk, and it's, you know, it's right there. But over the years, the Jaguar, I mean, this is a really powerful piece for me still, but that Jaguar um, shifted to black Jaguar. I, when I went to South America, I was at um, Pyramids, and the black jaguar came in and said, "This is this is um, another layer of your totem animal jaguar, but this is the 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 night animal and the the mystical magic piece of jaguar." So my jaguar shifts from day to night. <laughs> I have daytime jaguar and nighttime jaguar. <laughs> and so that black for me, like your crow, um, Donna, but the black means the mystery for me. And and since then, I've had the black cat Romeo come in and kind of be in the physical black jaguar in my life. Um, and then after his death two years ago, he came in um, last summer as my familiar. And he's big. He's as big as a jaguar now. He's as big as a black jaguar. And he will come in... <laughs> To the room, like you said, Nessie, I mean, mm-hmm. um, I hear he's shown up in, I've been in the hotel in the bathroom and he shows up, you know, just in the mirror, like next to me, um, just the other day, I think I was thinking about this show and he, he jumped on the bed, Rain was out of town and he jumped on the bed right next to me and he takes up the whole half of the side of the bed, he's that big now. Um, so, so it's been an interesting transformation of Jaguar to Black Jaguar to this familiar um, energy because it all feels very similar to me. Hmm. But wow! Well, that's so tough. Like about the Romeo that I knew, you know, just sort of strutting his stuff as your. Oh, he had an <laughs> attitude, didn't he? He had an attitude. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So. On to our our next piece about you know as I was thinking about all of all of this this fur and feathers and such and and the the tactile feel of fur um, has always been amazing for me I I I love when you would go like to the nature center and they'd have all the different critters laid out and you could pet you know the skunk and the gopher and the you know, the mouse and I just love that um, tactile feel. Um, but do you have an animal um, memory pet that you especially remember the tactile feel and want to share that with us? And uh, Neshi will go with you. Oh, my goodness. You know, we, we've always had dogs. And um, I have to say that it's the length of the fur because we've also we've had um dogs with long fur and one um, with short fur and the short fur is very sleek you know and, and like run, running your hands down and the sleekness of it um, and then one of our dogs our very first dog uh, when we were married um, 
Uh, her name was Sugar, and she was a brown, long-haired, and she was a, a mixed breed. But she had these long, you know, like feathers. And I loved running my hands through there, except that, you know, what she didn't like is, is me finding the, the, the snarls and the knots. <laughs> I was wondering if the feathers got snarly or yeah. burrs or, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was, she was probably the, the one, one of their dogs that was the canine, the dog. You know, she, she didn't think she was a person. Mm-hmm. She was a dog. <laughs> yep. Unlike you know? Ginger, who was a person, yes. Uh, uh, Exactly. I'm like Ginger was complete opposite. Um, and Ginger Ginger had longer hair, but she wasn't, as a golden retriever, she was the hunting breed of the golden retriever, which yeah. means her fur was shorter, but not as short as Spice, who was our Brittany um, at one time. And her fur was very short. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with Ginger, though, you know, um, yeah, her fur was, uh, she had that that undercoat that was real fluffy, mm-hmm. and the top was that shorter foot. And so, she, just it, she was just soft, just mm-hmm. soft. And and sometimes when she'd be laying on the couch, and I'd come over and and I'd <laughs> put my head on her hind quarter, you know, because <laughs> we're gonna uh-huh. take a nap. And uh-huh. she'd be okay for a little while, and then pretty soon she'd start moving her leg, like she'd get off me. <laughs> get You're off too me. heavy. Get off. My leg's going to sleep, Mom. <laughs> so it's it's just not. It's also you know, it's also the scent. It's also the scent. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're that close to them, you know, yeah. you you have your hands right in their fur. Um, yeah. So yeah, that I do miss because we haven't had a dog in our life now for four almost four years. Well, it is uh-huh. will be four years. Um, uh-huh. and so you know, I miss that tactile, that the the feel of the fur and. Uh, their muscles and um, hearing them, and you know, you know how they're they're um, when they're walking across the floor, the click 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 click. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Or the the running through the house and telling her don't run in the house, and then she'll go sliding across <laughs> the floor. You know. <laughs> Just like a kid. I know. That sounds like what men say to a kid: don't run in the house. <laughs> You know, wow. I, in in the our chat room, Pam Pam has really been chatting it up about dogs. She says that, um, uh, she says, uh, let's see, she says one of my favorites was uh, Jert Gus, who had short but wiry coat. Um, and she also mentions about she had um, six cedar wax wings in her almondier this this summer. And they uh, stripped it of berries in no time. Beautiful bird. <laughs> mm. Wow. Big oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Gosh. And 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 your tactile memories, Donna, or? Well, I have many. Um, I've already talked about cats, so I will give a plug for dogs, but first I just must say I love cat fur. I love all cats. I love to hold them. I love their little velvety noses. I love a cat that likes to be rubbed up. And those paws little pads on the bottom of their feet. Chitin toes. They're so (laughs) yummy. And if they let you kiss their little nose, my current girl (laughs) likes to have nose kissed. It's just heaven. Um, 
But I do. I I love dogs too, and I always had a dog growing up. We always had one dog growing up. Usually one dog and two cats at any given moment in in my childhood time. But my most beloved dog was uh, Abby, and Abby was a black lab. She had some mix in her, but she was mostly black lab. She was just jet black. She was the most gorgeous color, black, short-haired dog, and so muscular, so athletic. She just loved to run, 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 run. Like she was just nutty, you know, and if she got off her run, you know, she would just take off and run the fields and run everywhere. And um, freedom. I, I adored that dog. I taught, yeah, freedom. I taught her tricks. She was smart. She caught frisbee, jumped in the leap in the air. And she was a great, great dog. She's a beloved girl of mine. So black labs, I have a real sweet spot for them. Aww. Yeah, sometimes that black fur is just so darn shiny. Like, you don't mm-hmm. see that mm-hmm. in any other color except, like, Romeo had that in his fur, too. And and it, since the day we got him, and I always thought it was, like, his beautiful kitten fur, and it would, you know, he'd kind of grow out of it, and he never did. It's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, for, me, for me, though, <laughs> the tactile that I think about, um, oh, my gosh, Katie's fur... She's Bashan, and when her fur would get long, it would curl and become like lamb's, like a lamb's coat. <laughs> and, and I knew, like, I was, a, and I could just sneak my fingers in, and I knew it was time to take her to the groomers because if I let that grow too long, then it would just be all matted. But mm-hmm. I loved it when she had her little um, lamb curls and um and my sister who's a dog groomer would tell me that you know you can get those lamb curls if you don't if you don't blow dry or if you get her her fur wet and then just let it air dry you know like naturally curly hair you know don't don't blow dry it don't straighten it out um so she'd come home from the groomers and i would get her all wet again so it would curl back up because i just love that and you know, one of my my sweet memories with her, um, and this is kind of sad, but <coughs> when I took her to the vet um, to have her um, to to help her walk on, and I took her little dog bed, and so after I curled her up and have her in a little dog bed, and she's in next to me in the car on the way home, and the whole way home I have my hands in her little fur. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that was my last tactile memory of with her, and you know, it it wasn't it it you know it wasn't like people going, oh gosh, she's touching a dead dog, but it wasn't gross at all. It was just beautiful, and she was still a little warm even, you know. But all the way home, mm. I have like forty five minute drive from that vet. I did that with her, and and you know, that's my last. <sighs> Memory, the 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 host is crying oh now. Okay. <laughs> oh, but you know it's okay, really, Minnie, because you know um, the September issue of the magazine, Star Nations magazine, we're working on it right now and and uh, getting the layout done. And but um, one of the topics of for the magazine in September is Pet Memorial, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wrote my my editorial about um, my three girls. And I tell you, it was like, I need another Kleenex. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, is because what I what it boiled down to for me is that, and I talked about the feeling of their fur and their physicalness of it, right? Um, but what it really boiled down to me is that they they were members of my family. They were contributing members of my family, and so I don't think of it as a pet memorial because right. they were much more than that, you know. And um, in fact, I still have um, sugar's ashes, and I still have ginger's ashes. Um, I don't have spices, but um, so it's they're they're not very. I mean, we say the spirit, you know, they're not far from us. They're just right here, right next to us. But literally. <laughs> Literally, sugar and sugar and ginger are are in our bedroom yet. Um, they're up on a shelf. They have their own their own um, urns. And um, you know, I was supposed to do the ceremony for for sugar. We get to the 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 center branch of the Embarrass River up north, and we were going to do a ceremony. And I got to the point of you know putting her her ashes into the the river. I couldn't do it. Oh, couldn't wow. do it. <laughs> I hear you, Nancy. I've still got two cats on my family altar in little boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And hmm. the and that meditation that you did. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'll, you just got started, and they were already there. They're already, uh, you know, in. Well, because you've been writing about them. <laughs> I, you know, really. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. Okay. And can I just say, Mira keeps coming in. Yes? Oh, sorry. I wanted to just add. So Mira, my orange girl, my current orange girl, keeps coming into the room, jumping up on my lap, and just doing that thing where cats, like, look all around because you know <laughs> there's things in the room that uh-huh. she's her little head extending her neck, looking all around, like, yep, it's a busy night in here tonight, Mira. <laughs> yep, so. yep, oh, I know. Um, Rosie, my new puppy, will often, like, look at the spot where where Katie used to lay on in the bedroom because Rosie's in kind of a different place, and she'll just look over there, and I'll say, oh, Katie's here or Romeo's here, you know. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she looks like yeah. she's looking at some, some critter that just walked in the room, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, wow, we're getting close to the end of the hour here. I know. Oh, I know. my gosh. We can, go over, we can go over just a little bit. If we okay. Can. Well, the last one was just about petting animals. Do you like to pet animals, and why do you think that is? So, Nashi, we already kind of started on this, but let's go even farther, yeah. right? Well, you know, it depends on it depends on the dog, really. You know, if I know the dog, I will do this. If I don't know the dog, I won't do this. Um, I love their ears, <laughs> so I will massage their ears. I will play with their ears. Um, in fact, one of the one of the signs that uh, hand signs I would give to Ginger nonverbal was I would um, like I was grabby, you know, grabbing with my hands. And she'd uh-huh. look at me, and she'd come walk over, and she'd sit down, and she knew I was going to play with her ears. <laughs> oh, like, Mom wants to play with your ears now. Like, that's funny. But I just love the way they feel, you know? They're so soft and mm-hmm. and, and massaging dog's ears. I think Sonia, Sonia's still in the chat room, I think. Yeah. Um, is uh, Or Sonia, that um, 
you know, the rubbing of their ears, right, um, to, to relax them. But in my sense, it's more of a loving, playful kind of thing. And uh, so that's, yeah. that's mine. But most dogs yeah. really like that, too. It's, yeah, they do. Pamela but, saying you know, she likes, I smell their ears, too. She likes to smell them. <laughs> and the thing is, is if it's a dog I don't know, I'm not going to do that because that's kind of um, – rude and in their personal space a little you know? intimate a little too intimate at first yeah. oh. until i get to know them and then yeah. then i'll ask them yeah okay mm-hmm. donna what are, what are your what are your petting uh experiences well so one of one of one of my things that i made a note of is um, the ears of my current cat. She's. I've never done this before with another cat, but I love to just um, rub the ends of her ears. And the sweet thing about Mira is she um, she has a little tear on the top of each of her uh, ear tips. Not not that she was a feral. You know, sometimes they clip the mm-hmm. ears of of a feral cat when they release them. Not like that. She. It looks like she got into a little street fight with somebody, you know, and they tore her ear. Mm. And so I just do it in this loving way. I'm always trying to, like, sew that back together for her and just to tell her, you know, just to, like, give her healing there. Mm -hmm. And just to let her know, like, you're still beautiful anyway. I I saw her and I saw her little face and her soul and I just knew the moment I saw her at the SPCA. And I saw her little ears, and I thought, too, like, not everyone would adopt a cat, you know, that had a little deformity like that. Uh-huh. And so for me, it's it's this sweet little thing. It's so special. And so it's I like her beauty mark. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking the same thing, the beauty mark. Beauty yeah. mark. Yeah. It's just, oh, she, she's been around. She's had experience, and, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. She's her ears, so. Yeah, she's got her life experience on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I like to pet like everything. <laughs> I I mean, if I go to the fair, I have to pet like ask my husband <laughs> to pet all the horses and the cows and the pigs and I mean, I'm just I'm really curious <laughs> to see what they feel like. Even like when I rode elephants in Thailand, I'm petting yeah. elephants. Um, but one of the most amazing um experiences I had well I had it I had it with the elephant but I had it with my um my niece's horse I had the same experience she has a horse named Savannah black horse it's a she's he's a retired um she's a retired race horse she's very very tall and so you I I kind of like was very careful and I asked Barbara you know can I pet her will they be okay oh no she loves to be petted so I'm petting her down her beautiful neck and, you know, of course down her mane, but her neck. And the energy coming off of this horse is sending little little pinpricks through my fingers, like Reiki, like the horse is giving me Reiki is what it felt like. And the only other time I'd experienced that was when I was in Thailand with the elephant and I put my feet on the elephant's um, back and it was sending that vibratory um kind of sparking almost in through my feet but her horse was doing that um with me which which I thought was really interesting so you know when we we pet animals and we're we think you know we're loving them and sending them healing but what are they giving it to us 
piece, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the, yeah, the, really. What's the piece that's mm-hmm. happening that we might, you know, if we just don't always feel it in a pinprick, but we just feel it in that sensation of, um, oh, this feels good, let's keep petting, let's keep doing this. So what a gift um, these animals are in our lives. And and the gift through their skin and their fur and their their feathers, I didn't talk about birds and such, but we've had pet birds that I love to, you know, pet oh, them. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, my sweet little parakeet. Um, Jessica's parakeet sapphire loved it to be rubbed under the chin, you know. I just, just rub her, rub her, rub her under there, and she just snuggle up to my finger. And and what a sweetheart. So, yeah, I love to, to pet and touch everything that will let me. <laughs> so, ladies, mm-hmm. we are at the top of the hour here. Um, just... Before we go, give me a little, you know, clip of what you're up to and what you're doing right now. Um, I know you're super busy, um, Nashi, but go ahead. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Me All right, get ready. <laughs> All right. Well, we're working on two two issues of the Star Nations magazine. We're working mm-hmm. on the September issue, which gets published on September 10th, and we're also working on the special free issue. Uh, coming out on October, I think it's the 23rd. And so every year we do a uh, a thank you free issue for the digital and for the print. It's just, it's a nominal fee for the printing uh, to pay that. And so What's we're working the theme on two, of two that one? Um, the theme of the, the special issue, the free uh-huh. issue is Grandmother Earth. And oh. we got really good articles and mm. uh, meditations coming for those for that so um working on that we're working on the transition of the blog talk radio shows to mm. facebook live stream and that will get started um in october and um so we're we're in the midst of that um and and there's something else <laughs> I can't think of it. There, there's a lot going on. There's a lot yeah. going on, and uh, but it's all good stuff, you know. And once once we're through all of that, we're gonna we're gonna have a celebration. We're gonna pop some some um, some bubbly, I think. Something bubbly, one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sounds so. good. Yeah. Well, I am. I'm I'm teaching a few things. Uh, October 18th, I'm teaching at the Kalamazoo Continuing Ed. I'm teaching a Clear, clear your clutter um, class, which I'm excited to share with kind of the mainstream community here. And on October 15th, I'm going to do a nature and forest therapy walk to Chief Okemos' grave site here in Portland, mm-hmm. Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. He's a very, very special elder um, for me that's been showing up a lot in my forest and therapy walks and and. and following the Grand River, um, and so his gravesite is on the most beautiful spot. I wish you two could come um, on the banks of the Grand River, way up high on a bluff. It is so mm. beautiful, and it's just all hardwood forest and gorgeous there. Last time we were there this spring, like a whole herd of dragonflies just followed us wherever we went. And Chief Alchemist has asked me to bring people there to drum. Um <laughs> He likes drumming, he tells me. So Yay. I took two people last time, and he said that wasn't enough. So I, so I decided <laughs> to do the forest therapy walk there. 
so we'll have a larger group for him um, to enjoy with us, the drumming. So please join me if you can, October 15th. And I guess that wraps us up for tonight's show of Spirit of Color. Thank you. Wait, 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 we got to get Donna in there. Wait, we got to get Donna in there. Oh, I'm sorry, Donna. (laughs) Gosh. Donna, please. Oh, forgive me. Tell me what you're up to. My goodness. Yeah, so um, I'm teaching a, a two-part, uh, two-different-day Collage Quest workshop in Dobbsbury, New York this fall. It's going to be November 4th and 11th, and you can contact me if you want more info about that. And before that, in October, I'm headed back out to Michigan to Star Nations Academy East. I'll just put in a little plug. I'll be taking um, Amanda Murphy's um, oh, yeah, apprenticeship yeah. week-long mm-hmm. course. That was the other thing. Well, Looking forward to that. Yeah. So any of my Michigan or Midwest people, if you want to connect, I'll be in town for over a week. Wow. Is there still room in that course, Nashi? I do believe so. Wow. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to wrap us up now. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Spirit of Color show. And those who are listening on the archives, we really appreciate um, you being with us. And enjoy your companion animals tonight. Thanks, ladies, for joining me. Mm -hmm. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed Spirit of Color, Lightworker Ways of Deeper Communication. Minnie Kansman, Neshi Lokat, and Donna Thompson on the Star Nations Radio Network.